Welcome to the Sober Fanboy. I'm your host, John Jeremy. Today we have my special guest and friend, Kevin, with over 32 years of sobriety to talk about some spirituality. All right, guys, how's it going? My name is John. I'm your host for the Sober Fanboy. Um, and I have my special guest, Kevin, with me. You can say hi. Hi. Hey. <laughs> um, you did remind me, uh, as we were talking today, today is actually uh, International Overdose Awareness Day. So that, um, that just brought that up to me because you were talking about the whole uh, heroin thing. And you're talking about everything with uh, with the alcoholism and uh, and now nowadays like heroin is a big thing. It seems like we go through fads almost. Now I was not a, a heroin user ever myself, uh, and I but I remember when I was a really young, you know, teenager uh, when I was just drinking. And there were some young kids in the neighborhood who, who did heroin, and whether you'd hear someone's older brother died, overdosed from heroin, you know, and it was like a scary thing. When was that? Well, this was back in let's see, when I was maybe fifteen, so that was like nineteen um, seventy. Nineteen seventy. You know. Yeah. And that's, I started drinking when I was 13 years old. Uh, I was, uh, I was, my sister and her friend who were older, they wanted to buy some wine. <laughs> and there was a, a liquor store across the street from the park where we all hung out in Queens. And it was a big wooded park in Queens. And it was very popular on the weekends and stuff. In the summertime, kids would hang out in this park. It was a very large park. And uh, so they wanted to buy some Bally High. And that's what, you know, young young people drink sweet wine. And uh, so they took their mascara and darkened my little peach fuzz mustache <laughs> and sent me in to the liquor store. And this guy, I don't think I fooled him. I think he, just, you know, he just didn't care. He'd sell to anybody. And I bought the wine, and I came out, and then I wanted to try it. And they were like, "No, you're too young. You know, go home. You know." And they didn't want anything to do with me. They just wanted me to, you know, to send me in because maybe they had already got turned down. I don't know. So, uh, that, but then I knew that I could buy it. So I, I spoke to my friends. You know, I said, "Yeah, I bought." <laughs> and they were like, oh, we got to try that. We got to try that. So we went out. I, w I did it again the next week without the mascara. And um, we walked around the street and drank it. And, you know, we had like, uh, we laughed a lot. <laughs> and I felt very, you know, loose. And I felt that very comfortable feeling like I wasn't, felt comfortable in my own skin. You know, I felt like I was okay. And, uh, People liked me, and I liked me, and uh, that's the way it started. And then I think at the end of the night we all threw up. Yeah, you know? oh, but it was wow. like a great night, you know. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. A, a night to remember, and that's when I started. Uh, that was it. You well, awesome yeah, night. I, you know, it was. I was very young, and it was only an occasional thing. 
yeah, because yeah. you just can't like function that way when you're like still in high school. You have no independence, you know. You have to go home sometime. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but a friend of mine had a basement back then. It was very popular. People, kids would fix up their basement yeah. and like put, you know, that was popular dark. Uh, day glow lights black lights and posters and stuff yeah, but we yeah. had a much different kind of style we called it early salvation army <laughs> it was mostly ca these couches and big overstuffed chairs and carpets and things like that it looked <laughs> like you know looked like the set of some uh, 1940s movie or <laughs> something but uh so we would go down there we would drink and amongst and do other things like hang out and listen to music you know it's very popular smoke pot yeah wow that sounds still familiar nowadays kids just love that den area or whatever or well, like the parents have people the want a place to go to do what they want to do and can't do it you know everybody i suppose some kids can get away with it at home i know some parents yeah don't seem to care but uh my parents cared would uh, would upset them very much i would have gotten a lot of trouble yeah. And my friend who ran had the basement, his parents were upstairs, and uh, they were both drinkers. Mm. So I, I think they would have cared, but, you know, they would have understood because they were both committed to that whole philosophy of you got to uh, artificially manipulate your mood to function <laughs> in life because life is so horrible. Yeah. Yeah, you know. right. You need to, you need to have something to take that edge off. Yeah, I mean, his stepfather lost an arm wow. because he broke his arm, and they said it wrong, and he it got like infected and gangrene. Oh, and they ended up, so he was like just completely oh. like giving up, you know, like a fatalist. Yeah, yeah, that's like a horrible. Yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible thing. <laughs> You know, but yeah. they took to drinking the both of them. So uh, he it, he took to it too, and uh, you know, it was permissible. Yeah, it was okay. It's like, and it was kind of they didn't okay it, and they didn't know, but I, they probably suspected. I remember one time he set his mattress on fire while he was sleeping in it, and I happened to be we were going to go to the beach the next day. I happened to be sleeping on the floor. Oh. And I woke up and my throat was raw and my eyes were tearing. I thought, oh my God, I've got a cold. And I think this stinks because, you know, I was supposed to go to the beach tomorrow. <laughs> and now I got this terrible cold. I was going to walk home because yeah, yeah. I felt so sick. And I get up and I turn the light on. Like I said, I was sleeping on the floor. And I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. The whole basement was full of smoke. And he, he was asleep curled up around this 12-inch uh, circle of, of red-hot embers, which was his bed. had this big circle in it. So I had to drag him out of the bed. He was drunk. He fell asleep with a cigarette. And he set his bed on fire. Wow. So I dragged Whoa. the mattress out in the backyard, and I'm trying to put it out. And his mother knew something was going on. She heard it all. It was late at night, you know, uh, like early morning and uh he had to come up with some story to tell and he so he told her i set the bed on fire ah right what a great <laughs> so he goes I had, to, I had to if she knew i did it she wouldn't let us hang out here anymore you know that's so true. it was my fault yeah you lose yeah. the spot 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had they needed a fall guy. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was always these mishaps and adventures, but never anything fatal, at least. Yeah. So we got through that, you know, and then I, I eventually uh, moved out um, to Roslyn, and I rented a house with a, another friend in Roslyn, and that's when uh, when cocaine came into the picture. It was very popular then. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I was drinking and doing drugs, and then I would, uh, excuse me, and then I would... Uh, that got very popular too. Um, oh, I mean, you I know, I, I got into that very much, and I ended up having to. Uh, I remember what happened. It was so strange. I got very depressed, and um, I was hanging out in a bar late one night after closing. And I, we were talking about, I was with a friend of mine, we were talking about another guy who hung out with us. Yeah. And I said, ah, oh, Lenny, you know, I think he's an alcoholic. <laughs> you know, like, you know. And uh, our Coke dealer turns around, he looks at me, he goes, why, you don't, you don't think we're alcoholics? <laughs> you think it's normal to be at a bar at 3 a.m. on a Thursday night? doing shots and lines you think that's normal and i was like flabbergasted <laughs> you know i thought he was like saying this because he was mad at me or something you know want to put me down you know yeah and he was just he was just someone i think he had some recovery in his past at one time <laughs> and he was very much into this whole like telling telling it like it is type of thing not like you know uh and I was just in shock because so I said, well, I'll show him. Yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to drink, you know. I'll just get high and I won't drink, you know. And that didn't work. So then I said, okay, I won't, you know, I won't use drugs. I'll just drink. That didn't work. So uh, I then I came to the conclusion that I really couldn't stop. And I was... Uh, really I fell into a real real deep depression and uh, I came to the point where I wanted to kill myself and I had a gun I owned a gun Whoa. so I was trying to build up the courage to kill myself one mm -hmm. night I mean and uh, I was frantic I became like very frantic I didn't want to yeah. get high but I like go out and buy some drugs and then use some and then feel racked with guilt, flush it down the toilet. And then 20 minutes later, I'd be going out again. You know, I didn't <laughs> want to go out because I knew what would happen if I went out. But it was just, I was just like out of my mind, you know. So I took this gun and I'm praying to God to give me the courage to kill myself. Wow. And I never prayed, you know, this this was, you know, unusual. And then I got this idea in my head, if you're so religious all of a sudden that you're <laughs> a prayer, why don't you pray for help? Wow. And I prayed for help, and I never prayed like that before. I mean, this was one of those foxhole prayers, you know, <laughs> and desperation. And something happened. I something came over me. It was kind of like a white light experience. 
And that's when I stopped. Uh, the next day, I had lost that desire. But I was don't get me you know don't get me wrong. I was a hot mess, yeah. a red hot mess. You know, it was just um, I didn't have that desire anymore, and I haven't had it since. And that's thirty-two years ago. Thirty-two years. Uh, what month? What month? This is in January. So Jan. Oh, it's twenty-two. So in January, eighty-eight. It'll be thirty-three soon, sort of. <laughs> so, wow. but uh, I had a lot of work to do. Yeah. On myself. You know, and that's uh, what's great about uh, recovery uh, is it gave me the opportunity and the guide, uh, the instructions on how to work on myself. And what can I say? Uh, it's a, I'm still a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no finishing, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's everything's gotten so much better. I mean, I was like, when I f first got involved with recovery, mm -hmm. I thought recovery was um, the Salvation Army. I thought recovery, 12-step programs, and the Salvation Army, I thought they were the same thing. I didn't know <laughs> anything about recovery. Uh, I just told this story last night, too. Uh, and I thought I'd have to learn how to play an instrument. Wow. You know, because like in the Salvation Army on the street corner. Yeah. I thought that's what was involved. Wow. And uh, after I'd been in it a while and uh, learned about the steps, I thought they were like grades in school. Like oh. you go from one grade to another, and if you <laughs> mess up, you have to like get left back or something like that. Um and now, you know, after all these years, uh, I realize it really is a lot like learning how to play an instrument. You start out and they give you these steps, which are like basics of music to learn, mm -hmm. like chords and scales and timing and, you know, notation and different things. And you get like an instructor who you pick who helps you learn these basics and then at when you're completed your basics you practice mm. I mean people who play an instrument once they learn all the basics and how to mechanically you know master the instrument playing it and they learn about music they don't just stop they say <laughs> well I'm done I learned that now you know Maybe in a year or two I'll go perform somewhere, but I don't have to play it anymore. I don't have to practice it. You got to keep practicing. <laughs> you know, you're practicing to develop your style. Mm. You listen to guitarists, popular guitarists like yeah. Santana and Eric Clapton and all these different of course. people. They all have their own style of playing. But they're all playing... It's the same notes. They tune the guitar the same way. They follow the same rules of music, you could say, or, you know, structure, music theory. They all follow that same theory. But they all, they master it and they learn their own voice. Wow. And it's the same thing with the 12-step program. You do these instructional things 
and you master the steps and then you practice to get your own voice because every so often the universe or God uh, takes you and pushes you out on stage and says perform wow and you got to perform now if you haven't been practicing it doesn't matter how much you know and how long you've been around <laughs> you haven't been practicing and you kind of suck <laughs> that's so true I never even thought of it but if you've been practicing you get up there and you you know you jam you know, you, you get up there and you play jazz, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the yeah, universe, yeah. the universe applauds. Wow. You know, so there's a lot of, uh, so I see there's a similarity now. At least that's the way it seems to me now. <laughs> Maybe in 10 years I'll see it differently. That's another thing I'd love to mention. Yeah. The program that I came into as I first saw it, and then every, I don't know, five or ten years or so, I kind of reevaluate my perspective yeah. of recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I update it and maybe fine-tune the way I look at things. And some things I used to believe I kind of, like, drop, you know? Not the program itself, but the way I see it. Yeah. And the way I see people in it. And I have to keep, uh, you know, I'm here for the epiphany. Yeah. I'm here for that, you know, those, oh, wow, moments where it's like, oh, you know, where the revelation, I, I understand something I couldn't understand before. You know, that's something that eluded me. Yeah. I get it. And that's why I'm here for the epiphanies. And you can't keep having the same epiphanies over and over again. <laughs> yeah. You can only have an epiphany once. <laughs> You know, so you got to keep like learning, you got to keep developing. And, you, and personally, it's my belief at this time anyway, um, that the reason why people with time go out is because they stop learning. They stop having the epiphanies. Yeah. They become an expert, quote unquote, yeah. and they, you know, and they kind of sit back and they stop doing things differently. They stop spending time with people they don't normally. They get in their little clique of their meeting, their friends, their like circle. And they stop expanding and reaching out and doing new and different things. Yeah. And it becomes stale. And it becomes stale and then they figure out, oh, you know, ah, I don't feel like going out of the meeting tonight, ah, you know. It's and they kind of fall away from that spiritual perspective. What I'm here for, you know, is the epiphanies, but the way I get them is by is by developing my perspective. I'm here to change that perspective I came in with. Because it's really all about our perspective. The world is our perspective of the world. Yeah. The world doesn't change. We change. We change our perspective of how we see the world and what it means and who we are, our perspective of ourselves. You know? So yeah. that's that's really really what it's about to me is that perspective. It's so important. That's you so know? true. It's really, and how do we change our perspective? It's, we change it 
by the experience of working our program. Not the details, not the, you know, memorizing mm -hmm. the literature word for word and reciting it back. It's actually practicing the principles give us experiences and the experiences make us go, oh, wow, of doing things, trying different things. I got very involved a few years ago with, uh, with Young People's AA. Yeah. I'm 65, but I'm involved with the Young People's AA. I got to know 65 years young. Well, I don't know if I'm young or not, but <laughs> I'm 65, that's the truth. Um, but I got to know a lot of young people. I got involved with yeah. what they do, and it's like, it's wonderful. It's great because um, I got involved when we put on a, um, a convention a few years ago. A yeah. friend of mine who's young was in the committee, yeah. uh, Licky Pot Committee, yeah. and he asked me uh, if uh, I'd want to join Eskipa Convention Committee, a uh, host committee, and uh, help put on that convention in Hapa, because he said, you know, I need, I'm putting on events, I need to do events to raise yeah. money, and you do a lot of, like, stuff. I know you go caving and bike riding, and yeah. you do a lot of stuff that, you know, and wonder if you could help help out so i started going to the committee meetings and at first everybody's like you know is this old guy here you know but i just you know I, I i wanted to find a place i wanted to fit in i took a commitment i took one of the chairs and uh and i stuck around and i got to know a lot of people and i made a lot of friends yeah. good friends you know and i like i like young people you know some old people don't like them i think they're jealous yeah. Because a lot of times you see young people and sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> because you're like, oh, I, I made that mistake. Yeah. And, but it's hard to like just tell people, oh, don't do that because I said so, you know, or because I, people, a lot of these things people need to learn from themselves. Yeah, 100%. You know, and just telling people, especially if they don't know you from Adam, you know, like, who are you to tell me what to do, you know? once you become friends with people then some people might ask you and then it becomes different yeah but uh, you can't just like you know that's like a cliche in AA the old timer who's telling all the young people what to do <laughs> the un, un, uh, unsolicited advice I'm learning about that now unsolicited advice yeah and it's hard it's very hard especially if it's someone you, you know you like um their friend but um, and you see them doing a mistake that you made and uh, you know you also know that gee, if, you, if I tell you I'm robbing you of the experience of learning about of learning this lesson you know and if you t try to tell them then it ends up you know uh, they'll never really believe it yeah. You know, like, well, he told me that, but, you know, somebody told me, but I don't know, you know. It's different. It was different when you were young. You know? <laughs> you know, it's different now. People aren't different. No, I say that all the time. You know, people aren't different. Emotions aren't different. Yeah. There's no new feelings in the world. <laughs> That's 100% true. I feel that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, 
it's we here we are we're trying to live a spiritual life in this culture that we live in and this time that's not very spiritual yeah you know it's not there's not people you know and you try to try to behave in that way there's a story I love to tell about after my mother had died my mother was sick for a very long time she had dementia mm. and uh, she also became blind after a while and uh, I cared for her a long time uh, my sisters and I before she passed away and uh, after she passed away I was like you know grieving because I was with her for like five years before she passed away she became a very big part of my life yeah. it was like she was like, became like my daughter that I had to take care of my wow. little child you know so when I you know when she passed it was very sad and I remember I was you know grieving for a very long time and there was one spring morning where it was just a beautiful day and I woke up and I was kind of like had some relief I was you know I was enjoying the day it was a beautiful day and I was like you know this is you know I finally feel like I'm starting to get past that mm -hmm. loss and I went to the bank and I'm waiting online at the bank and there's a little old lady up at the teller and she's fumbling with her papers and everything like that. And, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at her and saying, that's what my mother was like before we took care of her. She you know, would have trouble when she got to the bank and her business, taking care of her business. It was so difficult for her with the dementia coming on and her bad eyesight. And I'm looking at this way. I'm identifying her with my mother. And the guy behind me goes, oh, come on. <laughs> and I'm like... Ah, and I'm thinking multiple thoughts in my mind. Yeah, at once. yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, but the dominant thing is, I'm feeling I don't want to lose this relief I had today. But if I give in and turn around and give this guy some shit, I will lose it. I'll get angry at this guy. And if I don't say anything, I'll get frustrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and I was, I wouldn't say I prayed, but I was open for suggestions. <laughs> I was open for a spiritual suggestion. Yeah. And suddenly it came to me, I don't know where it came from, but I turned around and I said to the guy in, in a perfectly nice voice, if you're in a hurry, you can go in front of me because I'm not in a hurry. Did he, did he go in front of you? <laughs> no. He turned, he, this is the weirdest thing. It was like somebody <laughs> let the air out of a balloon. He went like, <sighs> and he goes, you know, no, I'm really not in a hurry. I'm just, I get, I get so frustrated sometimes. Yeah. You know, and I said, yeah. I said, I know how you feel. It happens to me too. And, uh, and it was like a little like, spiritual moment there. It's so rare, you know, you put things out and you try to do the right thing. You try to be, like I say, spiritual, uh, rise above yeah. a lot of the, the bullshit in life yeah. and the frustrations, resentments and things like that. But it's so rare you get feedback that it's actually affecting anything, you know, <laughs> but yourself. And here, you know, I, I got immediate feedback that like whatever I did, but giving him what I thought he wanted, it like opened up his eyes 
So that that wasn't really what he wanted, you know? And he saw that it was him. Yeah. That his frustration was just all within him. And he had that realization. Wow. And you know, and like I say, I love this story because like I say, it's that it's so rare I get confirmation that yeah, this is really a power in this world to be to, to behave. And I'm not saying I'm a great spiritual like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where it came from. I don't know where the idea to just give him what he wants came from. But um, it, I was open to it. I was, you know, hoping for a different way to handle this. And I walked out, walked out and I felt great. I still felt great. You yeah. know, I, I, so it worked. That was what <laughs> I really wanted out of it. It was not to ruin my day, not to let this situation uh, ruin because it had been so long since I felt good. I think that story is amazing because you had m more than an opportunity to act as probably most people would want to act towards that gentleman, right? Like the, the initial reaction, but then yep. you got to act differently. But what the amazing part of the story is you don't know how you got the got that to act that way you no, know that's amazing it, wasn't, it was it must have had something to do with my you know my beliefs that there was a better way yeah. and that i think is very much when i can hold on to that that in any situation i'm in there is a better spiritual yeah. call it, way to interpret what's happening yeah you know, and again, that's perspective. Yeah. It came out of somewhere, but it must be the fact that I was open to it has to do with my perspective, my belief that there is, you know, there is a better way than just acting the way I normally, you know, might have or other people might expect. Because a lot of people, when I tell this story, and I've told it before a few times, uh, people have. I've said, well, what'd you do? You tell him off, what'd you tell him? You know, what'd you do? did you hit him? And it was set up, you know, it was set up for me to behave badly. But like I say, I got this idea and I, and I went with it. You know, it hit that, hit that spiritual spot in me. There's this place in us that is this spiritual perspective place. And it's like a tuning in you know, to a particular frequency. And we find it by our recovery, by our meetings, by our, you know, reading, by our practice, practicing principles and things like that. And I believe, you know, you can work on it and try to fine tune it and try to function through that place. Like, I uh, believe it's in everyone. Looking for the, uh, that radio station yeah. back in the day when or you had something, you know, <laughs> like it's so easy to get distracted because in the world there's a lot of things distracting us. Yeah. The world is telling us that it doesn't exist. You know, you look at our world and our, you know, our, we're very, very uh, monetary, very um, pleasure-seeking, uh, very capitalistic, very self-centered type of culture we're instant in. gratification sure stuff like that uh yeah and the uh, the answer is to find if you feel bad find something to distract you yeah <laughs> you know, find a person a place or a thing preferably something you have to buy 
and I'll sell it to you, you know? Uh, find that thing to make us feel better f for now. Yeah. You know, or to, like I like to say, a person place a thing to artificially manipulate our mood. What? Artificial <laughs> because it's not from within us. It's not from our behavior. Yeah. It's not from our own perspective. It's something outside of us. To take something, you know, spiritual life, the solution seems to be to take something in us and give it away. Yeah. Rather than taking something outside of us and putting it in us. Instead of, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, um, it's to find that it. good thing to, to develop that, like, that spiritual center in us. Yeah. And then to give it out, uh, give it out into the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that seems to be the ah, you know, that's what I needed to give it away rather than searching out there for something outside of us because inside of us is broken. So we have to take something inside because there's nothing good in us unless we take it and put it in us, you know? Dominion. It's to find that center, that spiritual perspective. Yeah. And then give it away to people, give it away to people. That's, you know, you look mm. at spiritual <sighs> paths and they seem to all have that in common. It's about developing through meditation, through a lot of different tools and techniques, and then giving it away. And that's what keeps it going. That's what makes it alive. Yeah. We want that experience of being alive and in a spiritual way. And again, I don't want to, I feel like I'm afraid I'm sounding like some spiritual guru. I'm not, yeah. but I do know that these things are true. Yeah, you know, just knowing they're true from experience gives them a lot of weight, a lot more weight than if they're just theoretical. You know, it's a great book I wanted to mention. Yeah, that I I changed my life, changed my perspective. There's a book, a audio tape, and a and a DVD of an interview with a guy named Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. By Bill Moyers, the the uh, journalist, interviews, uh, and there's six parts to it. It's called The Power of Myth. Oh, okay. And this guy, Joseph Campbell, is a, uh, he wrote a lot of books on religion, comparative religion, mythologies, mm -hmm. and all these, what are these, why are these things so relevant? Why are they still relevant? And I'm not talking about like, Bible stories, even though yeah. he talks about them, but he talks about uh, American Indian stories, he talks yeah. about African native stories, yeah. indigenous stories, uh, he talks about the Knights of, uh, you know, King Arthur and the Round Table, and what are these stories all about? Uh, India, stories from India, story, all wow. these different stories that developed all over the world, and they all are kind of like saying the same thing. How can that be? Either they all heard about each other back in the day when there was no radio, no, no, these nations didn't even know, they thought they were the only place in the world, the only civilization in the world. Yeah. Uh, China, Japan, he talks about stories there. And why are they similar? The other answer is because they ring true. And because these stories are teaching people 
truths about how to live in this world. Wow. And so they, they are metaphors for realities, as spiritual realities, and way to behave in society and things like that. And when to like realize that this oppression saying I need to act this way, like I say, the series, the uh, our culture tells us, gives us a set of rules the way we're supposed to behave, the culture we live in, yeah. and some of them may not be right for us. And it's a difficult thing to reject that and say, no, I need to, I need to live this other life, this spiritual life, or something like that. Yeah. I can't be all you know consumed with ego and pride and getting ahead and having more than the other guy you know and 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 that type of success i mean so much of success that what our culture calls success boils down to luck birth luck often who are your parents what skills and abilities were you born with that you had no right to be proud of. You know, you're very handsome, you're very smart, you're a beautiful woman, you're this, they're that, they're that, and you get an edge in this world. Your parents are very wealthy, they sent you to the finest schools, or, you know, there's so many of these things that, or your parents were impoverished, addicts or something like that. And, you know, you had to deal with those problems. You grew up with low self-esteem, you know. Didn't have any control over a lot of these things. And so much of it is good or bad birth luck, what they call success and failure. And the spiritual life takes all that stuff and sets it aside and says, no, 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 that's not what it's all about. You know, it's what can you do? Can you find that thing in you, that good thing, that healthy thing, that spiritual center? Can you find your spiritual center and can you give it away? Yeah. And that's a whole nother type of success that you can't measure. You can't put a dollar figure on it. Okay? But when you found it, you know it. That's funny. Like I say, Joseph Campbell, Power of Myth. Joseph Campbell, Power of Myth. We got look how fast it ra- see, look how fast we went, we went past right here. That's the minutes. We talked a lot over here. I talked a lot. Well, no, no, I, I was so much. I was so in, just enthralled by everything you said. You said so many things that like like when you said that um I feel like when you were talking the 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 point you were making is in a, in a sense that like we already have it. It's just have to discover it inside of you. Like that spiritual, the, mm-hmm. the thing I can give away, that's the spiritual thing. I have it. I just needed to discover it, need yeah. to keep rediscovering it within me to give it away. A I think I feel like that's what you don't, said. They don't know they have it. Like everyone has it. Like I don't care who you, like sure. you could be the worst. Or, or a lot of people don't believe they that have they have it. they have it like you already have it if you don't believe you have it your life is kind of like dead it says it in in the literature uh it that it says, says that it you find it within all, you that's what campbell <laughs> says that's what he teaches yeah and he's a teacher he was a yeah. teacher he wrote a lot of books but he taught at sarah lawrence college yeah and it's what he says it's it's in us but we don't know it a lot of the time and these myths and religions and things like that they're vehicles 
to get us our consciousness out of our normal way of thinking yeah. where it's stuck of normal types of what's successful what's important what should I think about what is my perspective yeah. and shake them loose and bring us to another spiritual perspective yeah and to you know question and uh, and that's a lot of what this is you know that's what these things are for that's what religion is for I mean, you look at even even your old-time religion that your parents believed in or maybe your grandparents or something. But that's what it's about. It's about rejecting, you know, Jesus yeah. threw the money lenders out of the temple, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you can go with that or you can go with something else. But it's got to it's gotta work. And it's got to be, you know, they talk about higher powers, having higher power. I personally believe your higher power has to be something you can believe can save you, can change you. You have to be able to buy into it enough to let it take you spiritually someplace new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to then, once you get there, you have to be humble enough to say, this isn't the final destination. No. I got to keep, I got to go to the next place. So you don't get bored and say well this is all it is and now I don't have to do this anymore you know stop practicing you know your instrument and you yeah. say ah oh, you know this is just uh, you know well yeah here he goes again here, oh, I've heard this story a million <laughs> before it is after you have a certain amount of time it's very easy to just you know lose interest because there's nothing new you gotta find those epiphanies those oh wow you feel moments. like it's you gotta break through to a new perspective do you think that do you feel like at 32 years that do you feel like now like like today you say like that's that's like my my personal responsibility to continue to uh make my uh find these uh break through that like yeah. you said keep to going find a new perspective make my happiness through well, my... my perspective has to be appropriate for the life i live yeah and I'll give you a perfect example that happens to many, many people. Yeah. They start out on some kind of spiritual path, maybe yeah. come some kind of road of recovery. Mm -hmm. And they start out and they're, you know, maybe a teenager or 20s or something like that. Yeah. And they've got a situation where their big problem is the rehab they're in. Yeah. And the sober house, you know what I mean? And this guy at the sober house, he can, and they accused me of drinking and I didn't drink. And this is like, you know consumes their whole the whole world is that situation they're in and a few years later where are they they're you know maybe met someone now they're in a relationship and they're struggling along with a relationship with another person and this is a whole new set of problems and it's a whole new they're living a whole new life again then maybe they get married and now they're married that's a whole nother life and that's a whole nother but then maybe they have some kids they have a kid, all of a sudden the whole world changes again. You know, and the skills and the tools they need and the spiritual perspective they need is different. And then their kids, like, grow up and they're going to college and they're leaving the house and now they're, they're at home maybe with their spouse. And this is a whole nother life. And they're thinking about, you know, they're getting old. Maybe they, they have to take care of their parents or something like that. And now they're the caregivers of, for their parents. It's a whole role reversal there. And then their parents pass on and now they don't have those that duty anymore. Maybe they retire or whatever. 
They, all this time, their career has been progressing. Maybe they went from being the guy who loads the truck to the guy who's in charge of the whole shift. Yeah. You know, and that's a whole new... Supervising other people is a whole new set of skills. Where you, boy, you better use your program. <laughs> you better learn how to treat people like human beings and with respect. Yeah. Or else you turn into a tyrant and you're going to have to live with that perspective. <laughs> That'll like ruin you too. Yeah. You know, and then you get to the age where you're old and you're retired now and you now it's a whole <laughs> nother life. It's like going back oh. to being a kid again. It's like you're not in school. Now it's like what will I play today? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what what shall oh, I wow. do? So you're going through all these stages of life. Yeah. And uh you people come in and they get like clean and sober and they get out of the rehab and they get out of the sober house and they think that's and they don't they keep working that program for that person that doesn't exist anymore. Wow. And they're working the wrong program. They're working the program for some person who who isn't even alive. You know, that's not who they are. And they, they're working the wrong program. They're not working their program. They're working what they did before that worked. And it didn't work. And well, it's not going to work anymore. Yeah. Because you got to keep reinventing. You, you keep searching for those epiphanies. Keep changing your perspective for as you change, as your life change, as the world changes. You could be like fine one day, but all of a sudden the world changes. You lose your job. The world just changed for you. Oh, there's a pandemic. You know, <laughs> pandemic day, right? Exactly. Now all of a sudden you got to wear a mask and you got to like think about these things and how am I going to protect my parents? Yeah. Yeah, I got to protect myself at least just so I protect my parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and my kids and things like that. So yeah, this isn't a do it once and you're done. This is a practice, a lifelong practice. Like I say, you got to keep practicing your instrument. Your instrument is your soul, let's say, if we want to give it a name. I yeah, love but that, it. that center in you, that spiritual center, that perspective, the spiritual perspective, the way you look at things, got to keep updating it, updating it. Maybe we should make two, uh -huh. two part. Oh, yeah. Let's, maybe we'll have you come back. Well, if you ever want to come back, I know it's a little far. Sure, you, but I, I hope I didn't take up too much time. No, no, this is great. I love it. Um, is there anything you want to end it with? That was beautiful. That's so great. I feel no, like we can just, go on and on and on. That's yeah, we could go on and on, <laughs> on probably. We're going to talk after I anyway. could talk too much, that's for sure. But I, I don't know. I've been around for a while. I'm not the oldest guy around. But I've been trying to keep changing and updating my perspective. So that means I've lived many lives in this program and uh so i have many stories to tell i have many yeah. perspectives to talk about you know and there are people who are in you know going through that same thing and my only i guess if i needed i want to close with something i'd say keep an open mind and expect that you're going to have to keep growing and changing your understanding of things because the world isn't going to stay um, still and your life isn't going to stay still just because you feel like you got it today yes 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 that's perfect thank you Kevin so much for coming on well, thank you guys you for, for listening inviting me it's been a real pleasure and I love your place oh thank you so much my little get my little setup here your studio yeah 
All right, thanks, guys. Please tune in uh, next week for a new episode. And uh, all right, bye. <laughs>